Welcome to the Better Human Podcast, podcast about making humans better humans and demystifying the world of relationships, communication, and entrepreneurship for your better life. For this season and the next few weeks, we're taking a break from our regular episodes. And instead, we're inviting back some of our most popular guests and some new ones to ask them one very important question, which is what has been the most important learnings you've taken from the last two years? These mini episodes are designed to give you insights from our tribe and mentors so you can learn from their experiences and enhance your own life and contribute to making humans better humans. Today, we brought back friends, peers, and amazing human beings, Eric and Eli from the Speaker Labs. If you want to hear their full bios and episodes on the science of storytelling, go check out season one, episode seven. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of social connection, specifically with someone before business connection. We're also going to be talking about the fact that when it comes down to partnership, we don't always need a co-founder with different strengths. We just need someone who enjoys spending time on a slightly different area. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how we focus on being adaptable. Guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. We are doing a special series asking one very important question, which is what is the biggest lesson you've taken away over the last couple of years? And I'm joined by two very good friends and the call it the collaborators in the industry. Brilliant, brilliant dudes, Eric and Eli from labs and get into a little bit about what you guys do later. But first, we're here to ask the big question, which is last couple of years has been crazy, intense, upside down, topsy-turvy. You guys are entrepreneurs, your business leaders, your 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 coaches, your trainers, your facilitators. So I think even with this uh, conversation, it's going to be a little more special. So start with that. Who wants to go first? Eric, Eli, who's taking the lead on this one? I'll go first. So yeah. So what's been your biggest lesson over the last couple of years? So, I mean, like you, I would imagine being in the adult education, professional development industry, when COVID hit, our business literally went to zero. Like the day after the NBA shut down, we had a 100% cancellation rate, 100%. So that was an interesting experience. And I remember we started getting a little bit of interest the first couple of weeks, literally no one's doing anything. No one's thinking about professional development virtually. They're thinking, how long do we have to wait until we can get people back in person? That's what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. But eventually someone, one of our, one of our past clients contacted us and she basically insisted that we run a virtual program for her audience at Shopify. Mm-hmm. And. Eli and I, we looked at each other initially and we just said to each other, no, we can't do this. Imagine how desperate we are for business, right? We went to zero and we still wanted to say no because we were so terrified that we wouldn't be able to capture the same magic through a computer screen doing a training over Zoom as we were doing live in the room with people. Correct. She insisted more, so we had to say yes. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned from moving to virtual is that I was right. You cannot create the exact same experience virtually as you do in person. And the best analogy that I've come up with over the years, over the past two years, is with sports, for example. Sitting courtside does not feel like watching it on TV. Both are very different and very good experiences, but they don't try to be each other, right? The, the, the courtside experience is all about getting in and seeing their sweat, smelling their sweat, right? And being in the game. The TV experience is different. You get to see all the stats. You get to hear the analysis. You get to see the camera angles and the zoom in, zoom out. And they use the medium to its advantage, but they don't try to be what they're not. And I think that that's been the biggest lesson for me is that 
I was indeed right, but that doesn't mean that we can't capture the magic. It's just that the magic virtually has to be a different kind of magic. That's been the biggest lesson for me. I'm glad you clarified that. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking about the, the purest in the industry, right? Which is the only way you can impact is in a room together, right? Yeah. And if you came to me four years ago and said, Greg, you should do your thing virtually and you should be remote, I would have said hogwash. It's nonsense. You can't do this. But I love what you just described, which is you absolutely can make an impact, but it is different. It's a different yeah. exercise, a different effort, a different delivery, a different polish, a different, a different work for a facilitator, right? I think that for me as well, where I relate to that is I had to relearn how to deliver, not, not how to train, just how to, how to adjust the delivery for that screen. Cause yeah, it's, uh, it's different. Eli, what about you, man? What's been your biggest lesson over the last couple of years? I had, all, I had all this time to think while Eric was sharing about hands. I feel like I'm going to go a little more philosophical Okay. as a, that's my disposition. And B, I think that's probably where my biggest learnings have come from. Imagine having to work with this guy. I was about to, I was about to say just for the audience, you are the more philosophical one. Out of yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I, I had a good, a good amount of time to uh, binge watch YouTube videos and I tend to binge watch things of the more philosophical major. And I remember watching a video where, where someone was saying the, the biggest learnings that they've had in their life are often things they've already known. They just keep having to relearn over and over and over and over again. And that really stuck with me. And I sort of, it, it catalyzed something that I think I had known in the past, but that I needed to know deeper and I continue to need to know deeper, which is understanding something does not mean you know it. Only once your behavior and your action is shaped by that understanding, have you reached true knowledge? And so that's been a huge continued realization for me. And over the past couple of years where Eric and I have had to work on a bunch of new projects and pivot and try out different things, the the amount that I've realized I had things I understood intellectually, but I didn't understand them to the point where it became knowledge that shaped my action. That was big for me. And I'll give you one example of it, which is I've always known that you have to be willing to take on a little discomfort in order to succeed. You have to step outside your comfort zone. You have to try things. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to get judged. You have to be willing to deal with some crap on the path to getting to where you want to go. But I remember even as, as Eric alluded to, when we got that opportunity to present to a bunch of folks at Shopify and we wanted to turn it down. And then fast forward, we wanted to build a bunch of different online products. We wanted to build our capacity to do some digital marketing so we could get those products in front of some people because we thought they were getting pretty good. And at each checkpoint along the way, Eric and I were very good at finding excuses to not do things, to not work on things, to say it's not, it's not the right thing. We're not going to be able to capture the magic. We're not going to get good at this. So I needed to continue to remind myself that you have to take action in order to get to where you want to go. And you have to be willing to look like an idiot. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to get to be uncomfortable. And that lesson, I just keep needing to learn over and over and over again. And it's a, it's a valuable one that I think has gone a lot deeper over the past couple of years. The value of taking action, taking on discomfort, and the value of relearning the same lessons over and over until they shape your behavior. Awesome. As you're saying this, and I think that that's what you were quoting, but the saying, which is the universe gives you the gifts of lessons. It is our responsibility to learn them and to apply them. Yeah. Ah, I love around really getting to a stage of understanding it to a level where, where it's, it's not just 
top level, but it's, 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 it, it impacts our actions and behaviors. And was it Einstein that said it, which was, if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't understand it enough. I must want to be Eli's most used quotes and took the out that. of his mouth. Right. And it's funny because people think simplicity is indicative of not actually understanding the depth of something, but it's the opposite. You have to go through the mud of complexity in order to be able to explain something simplistically. Simplicity is, is an indicator of true depth of understanding. Correct. Awesome. All right. Let me switch this to uh, you guys as a relationship, as a partnership, as entrepreneurs, as, as, as my work husband, uh, your work husband. What have you guys learned about each other or about the business or about the partnership over the last couple of years? Mm, interesting. Yeah. Good question. I think you got to go first this time, Eli. All right. I'll kick it off. What have I learned? I'll tell you, I've learned something about the way that I work. So. I remember a long time ago, I heard somebody talk about how one of the best ways to distill ideas is to write them down. And writing is a form of distillation. It's not just a form of creation. And I really like that. And so I like to write things out a lot. But one thing I realized when Eric and I were working together every single day is that I actually go through the process of distillation through communication. And so it's almost like like an artist and Eric is my muse sometimes where we would just sit on the couch if we're working at each other's apartments or if we're out working somewhere else and we would just talk and talk and talk about ideas related to public speaking for us because that's what we help people with. But we would just go deep and deep and deep and I would communicate through all the messiness with Eric. And when we were working together, two things. One, I realized just how important that is for me to work through ideas and get to clarity and go through that complexity and get to the simplicity. But also I realized that there's something about being not necessarily in person because you can do this virtually, you can do this over Zoom, but there's something about allowing yourselves to have social, relaxed interaction before business interaction. And Eric and I got to the point where over Zoom, we can do what we used to do in person now. But at the beginning, because you schedule a Zoom call and it's an hour long, you get on that Zoom call and you feel like you have to jump into it and get all the stuff done. Whereas when we were working in person, we would hang out and talk about life and interesting things that are happening in the world or sports because we both like sports or Survivor because we both love watching Survivor and we talk about the episodes. And then we would get into the stuff and that organic communication, that flows into the business communication really nicely. And I think I've learned in the Zoom era that you have to be deliberate about social interaction through Zoom and that organic communication through Zoom that allows you to then get to that more useful, productive communication that kind of just happened organically when we were in person and that you have to be deliberate about manufacturing some social stuff before you get to the business stuff. So there's a lot there. Hopefully, hopefully a little bit, a little bit of it is insightful. It is. I just had a very similar conversation with someone before, which they said, there's something to be said about spinning your desk around and interrupting someone and chatting about stuff. And it's, it's that chaos that, and, and yeah. social connection that creates that business creativity and flows into that next, the, the success of what we're trying to achieve. So I totally agree. What about you, Eric? Yeah. I, I, Eli kind of stole my thought, which is that Eli and I were best friends before we were co-founders and through COVID, all of that, all of that sort of magic that happened without even trying now requires quite an effort. We, we have to schedule the call. It's more transactional. 
and and it doesn't work the same as it used to. But I mean, we're not unique. Everyone's relationships have changed and everyone has had to be more transactional. So I, I don't think that we're unique there, but definitely we've felt it. I think the other thing is uh, on Eli's earlier theme about relearning is that I knew for a long, long time that Eli gravitated towards creation and I gravitated more towards logistics and, and people selling. And I would say that through the past two years over the pandemic, that sort of different areas, different business functions that Eli and I gravitate to, it's only been exacerbated even more. And so I think that Eli and I are lucky that Eli and I gravitate towards different areas of the business that both require a lot of attention. And I think that the lesson there that I've relearned is I think many people think in the world of entrepreneurship or in the world of, let's just say, let's say entrepreneurship, let's say starting a business, that you got to have a co-founder if you're going to go the co-founder route that has different skills than you. Mm -hmm. Eli and I actually have the exact same skills. We both love talking to people. We're both good public speakers. We're both good teachers. So you would think on paper, Eli and Eric can't be good founders because they would want to do all the same stuff. They're doubling down rather than casting their net. And a lesson that I've relearned is, no, that's okay. It's not about having the same strengths. It's about where you enjoy spending your time. And it's nice that Eli enjoys spending his time creating products. And I enjoy spending my time selling those products, even though on paper, we have very similar strengths and weaknesses. As you're talking, if I might be so bold and opinionated, which sometimes I am, is one of your lessons as partners, as young entrepreneurs, that holy shit, going through a crazy, chaotic earthquake error that should have taken us out as partners, as, as business owners, as, as trainers, did it. And doing what we do allowed us to persevere, push through, deepen our partnership, become more resilient as a business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, I had to say it. I was like, I'm looking at you guys and I'm watching this and I'm like, you two motherfuckers are amazing human beings. Your partnership is amazing. Your business is amazing. And technically on paper, back, if you want to go back to that analogy, you as a business should have been taken out. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. As a lot of businesses were. And and maybe that's the lesson, which is doing what we do is what allows us to succeed through the most turbulent times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, thank you for saying that. We're both enormous fans of you too. And I think that it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because I don't go about my day ever, literally ever. I spend zero time thinking about how resilient I've become. In fact, I don't feel more resilient today than I was in February of 2020, but I probably am. I just don't realize I am. And I think you're right on paper. We probably should have been taken out and, and who knows what the future of the pandemic has in store. I'm hoping it's over, but who knows? We'll probably become more and more resilient, but yeah, that's interesting to hear you say, because like I said, I spend no time thinking about that as I go about my day. I, I heard, uh, I heard a great line from Tony Robbins where he said, there's a sort of cycle to history. And he was talking about it at a pretty macro level, but I think you can apply it from a micro level too. But he was saying good times create weak people, we get complacent. And then weak people create hard times because of that complacency. Those hard times then create strong people because they have to really apply themselves and work hard to achieve something. And that strong group of people create good times and the cycle repeats. Yep. I think there's some nuance to it because I think 
good times can create strong people. And I think hard times can create victims and weak people and people who think there's nothing I can do. I might as well throw in the cards. So I think there's some nuance to it, but I think it's a really interesting way of looking at things. And I I think that when the hard times hit, there was a little bit of like, oh crap, what are we going to do? And then there was a, oh crap, what are we going to (laughs) do? And it was sort of the same question, but just a different intent behind it. And a different sense of like, we can do something. Let's try it out and see what happens. So I think I look back on on the pandemic from a business perspective, because there's many perspectives to look at it through. The pandemic has been a cool way to get insight into politics and economics and philosophy and psychology. It's been a window to everything. But from a business perspective, I look back on the pandemic and kind of think there's a lot of silver lining to it for us and our business, because it pushed us to become more. It pushed us to work on different things and spread our offerings and come up with new ideas and ways to help people. So I think there's been a lot of silver lining for us as a business and as a partnership because it pushed us to figure out new ways to work with each other and think big picture and butt heads on where we want to take the business and stuff. So it's been helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah, we went into the pandemic a one product company and we exit the pandemic a 10 product company. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. I relate to it. We were saying about also went to zero and there was no choice but to push through. I remember our conversation early days. We jumped on and we're like, all right. I'm sure you're saying this. I mean, you're you're recording many of these podcasts, but what's been your biggest lesson? I mean, having the, you're in the exact same industry as us. You have a very similar business to us teaching a different thing. And obviously you're more experienced and been around longer, but what was the biggest lesson for you? So very simply put, and, 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 and maybe we'll do a follow-up to this one, but at the end of the day, it is your mindset and your attitude that in some cases becomes the most important because when shit doesn't make sense and when things are turbulent and when the hard times are there, your focus, your mindset, your energy, your, your perseverance, your willingness to keep grudging through, as you described it earlier, right? grudge through that complexity and that's will grudge through the shit in this, this example mm-hmm. says that there will be better times and, and we can't be so short-sighted. We can't be so instant on this is happening to me now. And why me? We have to sound cheesy. What, 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 what lesson is this presenting? And I think the, the, the other side to that coin is your values, having values of gratitude and being being in service, like, like wanting to be of service and to be grateful for the things that we have and to be present are, are really important, important things uh, or values to, to, to hold on to. And it's, it was difficult sometimes to, to, to live that over the last couple of years, but it is that living it. And in some cases becomes again, the lesson, which is gratitude and presence and, and, and the being of service will, will, will pay itself back. Yep. Gentlemen, let me ask you the last question. What's important for us to think about or focus on or, or do over the next couple of years? The, The first thing that comes to mind for me is focus on being adaptable because I think a lot is going to change in the world over the next whatever time frame you look at it, things are going to change, whether it's a two-year time frame or a 20-year time frame. Things are, are moving fast and things, what, once change starts, it starts slow, but then it, it just picks up and it goes wildfire. And I think we are, are looking forward to a period of time where you're going to see some wildfire change happening. And so I think adaptability 
both in your ability to see change, like your sensitivity to change and awareness of change and your ability to work with it and adapt to it, whether it is something that works to your advantage or disadvantage, how you handle it. Adaptability is going to be big in a very dynamic and unpredictable world that I think we're continuing to go down into. I'm glad you said that because we are still going to go through, as you said, lots of change and uncertainty, and it's about having that adaptability and fluidity. Awesome. What about you, Eric? What do you think we need to focus on or or pay attention to or practice over the next couple of years? I think that the past couple of years have, for many people, created a sense of feeling isolated, oftentimes feeling unhappy and disconnected. And so I think, especially in our industry, but probably across any business, whether it's prospects or customers or colleagues, whatever, you need to focus on making people feel connected, happy, not isolated to make up for everything that we've gone through over the past couple of years. I think there's probably more than ever this insatiable desire to just have a little bit of fun, be with people, be happy. And even if it can't happen in person yet, or we get another lockdown, whatever, if you're not constantly focused on how do I make this fun for my prospect, for my customer, for my colleague, how do I make them feel heard, more connected, then you're not giving them what they truly want. Because I think that's really all that they want, especially after what we've all been through. For sure. Tell us or tell the audience where they can find you guys, where they can learn more about speaker labs and public speaking tools and courses and training and coaching and all the other products that you guys have launched. Well, you can find us at speakerlabs.ca, not.com. And yeah, if you're looking to become an amazing public speaker, or if you're looking to make public speaking something that feels really, really hard, you're looking to make it feel, or if you're, or if you're looking to have it feel a little bit easier, a lot easier. That's where we can help. So uh, speakerlabs.ca if you want public speaking to feel easy. Awesome. 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 All right, guys. Thank you once again. You are gentlemen and scholars. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your thoughts and insights and uh, sharing a little bit of your lessons and experience. Lots of bumps and Greg. Thank you, Dr. Witz. Thank you, Captain Greg. And keep up that sun fan. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't get to see what I'm seeing, but God damn, Greg, you're good. Uh, it's Costa Rican sun, right? It's uh, yep. keep you happy and healthy. Yep. All right. If you like today's episode, don't forget to like it, subscribe to it, share it, and we will see you next time.